Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. In today's beautiful gospel, we hear a story for the second time in a few weeks. One that should now be very, very extra familiar to all of us. And there's a reason why we read this again. And there's a reason why we read it multiple times throughout the year. We see again our Lord preaching in a deserted place and the multitudes begin to gather more than the disciples had thought would come. To the point where we now have over 5,000 men, not including women and children. So it's a pretty big number, as we mentioned also two weeks ago. So we'll recap a little bit of what we spoke about two weeks ago, and then we'll look at the story from another perspective. We mentioned how this gospel is the only miracle that is mentioned in all four of the gospels. In all of the Gospels, you'll find many, many miracles, and some of them you'll find in two Gospels and three Gospels, but this one specifically is the only one that is mentioned in all four. And it's why we read it multiple times a year. Our Lord really, really wants us to focus on what's going on in this story. So the church, in her beautiful wisdom, the fathers give us this story multiple times to really drill this this story home. Our Lord knows that in our lives there will be many, many situations that we get into where we feel like we are stuck. There is no solution. And our Lord shows us here that He can create solutions out of thin air, out of nothing, as He created everything out of nothing. And as the disciples are looking at these numbers, they're beginning to stress. And again, they ask this question that we know, how are we going to feed all of these people? Where are we going to get food for all of them? And if you remember, they came to the Lord and said what? What did they say to the Lord? What did they say to the Lord when they saw all of these people? Send the people home. You gotta send them home. That's the only logical answer that you send them home. How are they gonna eat? They're gonna starve out here. So it's only logical that you would send them away so that they can get lodging and that they can get food, right? And we had mentioned before that the funny thing about this is they are going to God and telling Him what needs to happen. They're telling Him what to do based on the logic that they see. And they negate this whole idea that who it is that is with them is the creator of all situations, all issues, all problems, the deliverer, the healer, and the solver of all problems. So we want to learn, and again, we mentioned before as well, Sometimes in our lives when we get into a problem, we get into a situation, we tell God what the next move should be. We tell Him, I think this is the right solution. Or no, this solution doesn't seem right. No, this is not what I want to do. This is not where I I think we should be. And God stands there and He smiles and He laughs and He says, you're telling me, the Creator, who wrote your whole story, what we should be doing or what I should be doing? No. They make the same mistake that they have done before. They don't rely on Him, but they rely on the power of logic, as we again mentioned. We only have five loaves and two fish. It is impossible to feed everyone. And if you remember in the chapter before this, in chapter 8, we mentioned this before as well, that when they were in the the boat and Christ was sleeping, they thought that they were going to drown. So they came to Christ and said, you don't care. We're drowning. Where are you? How could you be sleeping at a moment like this? 
And after Christ rebukes the rain and the wind and the sea, he looks at them and says, how is it that you have no faith? Or where is your faith? Where? After everything that you have been through, after everything that we have seen in our lives, all the situations that God has got us out of, all the situations that we were in before that also seemed impossible, that seemed like there was no door out, and God makes a door. Why wouldn't He continue making a door for us? Why wouldn't He continue making a way out for us? So they witnessed His power over and over again, and here we bump into another another problem in the story where the opportunity is there to look at God but no they looked at logic alone and if you remember we mentioned that we have to add something to our logic in order to see miracles in our lives if we focus only on the logic and only on the earthly we will only see the earthly but if we focus on the theologic we will see the theologic in our lives. We will see the God part of everything. And we will see God in everything. A very wise priest once told us, in our lives, it's like a, it's like a big pizza. And what we like to do is we, we like to give God a slice. This is your slice. On Sunday and on Saturday, that's your slice. And on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, there are slices for work and slices for family and slices for so on and so forth. But we keep God kind of isolated. That's your slice. This is your area. But if we cut out a piece of the middle for God, then every slice has what? God. Right? Every aspect of our lives we see God. And this is what we want. This is why we're reading this story again today. Because God wants to drill it into us that without Him, we can do nothing. And we read this in John 15.5. He tells his disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. That means we can't brush our teeth, we can't tie our shoes. We can do nothing without God. So why do we insist on facing problems and going through issues and finding solutions without God? And this is why we're reading this again. We want to add the Theo to our logic. Five loaves and two fish will never feed 5,000 men without God. But with God, not only did it feed them, but they had left over enough to spare, enough to have for another day. So we want to see God in all of our struggles and all of our issues. And we want to add Theo to all of our logic as we had mentioned. And we never fear anything. And if you remember, the response that we spoke about here is very, very important. He didn't say, okay, give me the five loaves and two fish and I'll take care of it. He said, you give them something to eat. You go out and you give them something to eat. And the disciples could have said, what are you talking about? How? How are we? Didn't we just mention five loaves and two fish? How? It shows us that we have a say in how our outcome goes. We have a share in how our outcome of the story hour goes. And if you notice in many, many miracles in the past, he says to people, your faith has made you well, or let it be according to your faith. So what we put in is what we get out. And if you remember, we mentioned the boy who gave the five loaves and two fish. He could have said, I'll give two loaves and one fish, and that way I can have something for myself. But he gave everything. So when we give everything to God... God can work with what we give him, even though God doesn't need anything, he could do anything, he didn't need five loaves and two fish, he could have brought food out of any, anything, out of anywhere, but it shows us that we have a part that we have to play, we can't just sit and say, God, I need a solution, no, I have to work, I have to act, and as James tells us, faith without works is what? What's faith without works? It's, uh, it's dead. 
Faith without works is dead. So if I have faith in God and I know that God can do all things but without any works, it's dead. The faith is dead. And if you remember, we mentioned many, many stories in the Bible where people needed miracles and they gave something. The widow, when she gave, Christ said to everyone, she gave more than anyone. And in 1 Kings chapter 17, we see Elijah with the widow who is gathering sticks for her and her son to eat because they're going to die. Plus, there's no food. He said to her, bring me some water and make me a cake. She could have scoffed and said, what is this guy talking about? We're about to die. We have no food. She said, all I have is some flour and some oil. And she made him. Without question, she made him the cake and she made him, she gave him water. And what happened? He said to her, surely I say to you that the oil and the flour will not run out until the rain comes. And Elisha, we see the same thing with Elisha with the two sons, the woman with the two sons who are about to be sold into slavery. She said to him, what am I going to do? Your servant, my husband, my, died, what am I going to do? And he asked her, he said to her straight out when you read the, 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 the verse, what do you have in the house? He asks her, what is it that you have? Why would he ask this question? What is it that we have to offer God for him to work? And of course, when she said, I have this little oil, he said, go and gather the jars as we mentioned, and the jars were full. So the more vessels she gave, the more were filled. The more we give to God to work with, the more he works with in our lives. Because we are willing to sacrifice. And we remember even when in our tithing, God says, test me and I will show you that I will open the doors of heaven and pour upon you blessings that you will not have enough room for. Our God is a God of abundance. And this is why, again, we're being very repetitive. We, we read this story more than once. God is a God of abundance. And in our life, if we seem we are lacking, then something is wrong. We have to find out why we are lacking. Sometimes it's that we're not being thankful for our situations. And if you remember, we had mentioned that in this gospel, in some gospels it said he looked up towards heaven. In other gospels it said he looked up towards heaven and he gave thanks. And he teaches us that without being thankful in our lives, this is how the doors of blessings is closed to us when we are not thankful. We must be thankful. When we are thankful, the doors of blessings are open to us. So, to finish our recap, we have to add Theo to our logic. When we see that there is no door opened, God can open a door. You give them something to eat. If I am struggling, if I'm struggling at work, if I'm struggling with health, if I'm struggling in my relationship, what is it that I am withholding from God? What is it that I am withholding for God to give me blessings? And thirdly, we want to have thanksgiving in our lives. We are thankful for all situations, even the negative. Even those that seem like they are holding us back. No, we are thankful for all things because we know that all things work for the good for those who love God. And then today we want to add one more point that we didn't talk about last time. This looking up. Because in every gospel, it mentions that he looked up. Why? Why would God look up? Why would God need to look up? We read, then he took the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave them to the disciples to set forth before the multitude. Why would he look up? He teaches us to look up in all situations and not only that, but to look up firstly. It's the first thing that he did. First thing he did was he looked up, he gave thanks and he gave. Our issue is sometimes when we run into a problem is we talk much. We think much, but we pray very little. We look up very little. 
We look up at the last point. We leave looking up as the last resort. And usually when we're looking up, we're looking up in what? It's anger. It's frustration. We're looking up and saying, where are you? Why? Why is this happening? But God here teaches us to look up first. And I want to refer back to the, the, the psalm for today. If we can bring back the psalm before the gospel. Let's focus on today's psalm. Do we have it up? I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Why do you think the fathers of the church put this psalm today, specifically today? God looked up. And when you read this psalm, you can imagine someone looking up. When someone spreads out his hands to you, my soul longs for you. Answer me speedily. Are we looking down? Answer me speedily. No, we are looking up. Answer us speedily. So today we want to add this point to the other points that we've made. We want to look up towards God. We want to have these psalms memorized. We want to tell God, answer us speedily, help us, give us a solution to our problems. But we want to look up first. We don't want to look up last. We want to believe and see that God always has one more move for us. He always has one more door to be opened. I want to share this story before we continue. If you go to France in the Louvre, in the, in the museum, there is a painting that's called Checkmate. Everyone knows what Checkmate means, right? It's during a chess game. And in this painting, there is the devil, the devil and a man playing chess. And the devil is smiling. He's happy. And the man is holding his head like this. And the title is Checkmate. So from this, what, do you, what can you tell? Who's winning? The devil. Right? The devil. So it's called Checkmate. The devil is happy and the man is sad. And it's a painting that's in the museum. So everyone knows that this is what the devil won. This is what you know, Checkmate means. And then one day, there was a group of athletes who were visiting the... Uh, the museum, and one of them happened to be the grand master at chess, the world champion of chess. So when he looked by, everyone is looking at all the paintings, the group moved on and he stayed back and he's looking at this painting. And the tour guide came back and said, uh, we gotta go, we have a schedule. And he stayed silent for about five minutes, looking at this picture. And then he looked at him and he said, either you change the name of this painting or you contact whoever painted it because something seems to be wrong here. It's called checkmate. But when you analyze the board, the chessboard, the king has one more move. So it's not checkmate. It's not checkmate. The king has one more move. In our life, it may seem like checkmate. I only have five loaves and two fish. Checkmate, I'm finished. The devil won. No. The king still has one more move. And he will always have a move for us. So let us always remember, A, to look up. And to look up in faith and in hope. And to know that even if our logic situation seems lost, there is a theologic way to look at things. There is always God that we attach to every situation. And that we give thanks. And we see... What can we do? What do we have to offer God for Him to work with? What are the five loaves and two fish that I can offer that He can bless and multiply and that we can have over 12 baskets left over of fragments? May God give us always to see in Him in all circumstances 
that he is there and that he is ready to open any door and that it's never truly checkmate. May he bless our five loaves and two fish and may all of our baskets run over and may we always fix our gaze up towards heaven in all circumstances and glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.